0: And this morning it's my pleasure to bring you the word, because Pastor is over in Dubai. So he has a little bit of a, a stop and a break there, and then I think tonight he flies out and continues his journey. So uh, pray for him, keep him in prayer, because you know, traveling in those airplanes and you know driving then six hours in Pakistan could be a little interesting. So pray for him. Uh, and so this morning, we're talking about relationships. and the relationship I want to talk about is a relationship we have as sheep. And here in Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come and that we can hear your word. Lord, I ask you that you would reveal to us your word Lord, that you would give us the strength to put it into practice. Lord, open up our hearts right now to receive your word, that it would grow in our lives and produce fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. All throughout the Bible, we see Israel and Christians uh, referred to as sheep. And that's one of the primary things, the pictures that God has chosen for his people, is that we are sheep. And I think that I may have found a video... That is the second best allegory ever, next to the Pilgrim's Progress, of what it's like to be a Christian and the Christian walk. If we have that video ready, here we go. The sheep is stuck in a trench, as so those little shepherd boys trying to dig him out. Oh, there he goes! There he goes! He's out! Woo! Woo! How? 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 How did he hit that? Oh, my goodness. I think that that pretty much sums up my Christian walk. Oh! Wham! Okay, come on now. Show of hands. Who has ever been that sheep? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Those of you that haven't raised your hand, just ask your parent or ask your spouse. I guarantee you that they will remind you of a story. Oh, but that's exactly it. Like, that reinforces every belief and interaction that I have ever had with a sheep. Sheep are dumb. They are. They're one of the dumbest animals. I mean, they are pretty much useless. If it wasn't for their wool and their meat, they have no purpose. I mean, you can't ride a sheep. You can't pull anything. They can't carry anything. They're completely useless. I mean, and look at their defensive strategy. Their defensive strategy is to Huddle together and push the fat ones out so that the wolf eats the fat ones and then what? They get too full so they don't eat the rest of the flock? I mean, come on. And did you know that sheep can get stuck on their backs and can't even roll over? They just get stuck there. And you have to have the shepherd come and roll them over. We used to hunt out on, and we came across the in an alfalfa farm, and we were cutting across the field, going to the other side, and we came across this sheep that was dead in the field. It was in this, just this barely even a cutout, and it was stuck on its back and dead. And I'm like, okay, is there, something had to have killed this thing. So I'm looking at it, there's no marks on it, no blood, there's not even a track around it. I'm like, this sheep died for no other reason then it got stuck on its back. Like, how dumb can it be? And yet yet God chooses to use this as a picture of me? Really? Me? But that's what happens. That's the picture of all of us. That's what he's done. And yet, it is in our helplessness that we find a common bond. It's the bond that we all need a savior. We all need a protector and we all need a shepherd. That's our common bond. And in John 10, if you'll turn with me to John 10, I'm going to spend the rest of the time there. But John 10, 11, Jesus cries out and says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As sheep, the most important relationship we have in our lives is the relationship we have with the good shepherd. And the whole reason that we are together right now and that we're in relationship with each other here is because of what Jesus has done for us. I mean, look at us. We're we're not all family. Look at us. We're not all from the same neighborhoods. We're not all from the same area, same social economic classes. No, the only thing that binds us all together and that we have in common is the good shepherd, Jesus. And that's why we're here. We are his sheep And so the ties that bind us to each other are the same ties that bind us to Jesus. And I want to look at those ties here in John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So the first tie that binds us together is that we hear his voice. The voice of Jesus binds us together and assures us that we are his flock. Verse 3 says, and throughout chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know my sheep by name and am known by my sheep. Those of us that are here and have heard the voice of Jesus have accepted him as our Savior, and we have entered through the door. Jesus said, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And go in and go out and find pasture. And even if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you are here because you heard his voice. And you're still kind of hanging out around the flock. But you still have heard it. In verses 24 through 26, the Jews here press Jesus and they say, Jesus, show us a sign. Tell us if you're the Messiah. Tell us if you're the Christ. Are you the one that's sent by God? Tell us. And Jesus said, I've already told you, but you refuse to hear because you are not my sheep. And several times Jesus calls out throughout his ministry and says, he who has ears, let him hear what the spirit says. And so it is important that we keep our ears in tune with the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. How do we keep our ears in tune to the voice of God? It is through the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. That's it. Did you know that a shepherd has to anoint the head of the sheep with oil in order to protect it from flies? There are flies that want to get into a sheep's ear and lay eggs because it's warm, it's moist. And so the flies are always buzzing around trying to get into the sheep's ears. And if they don't anoint the head with oil, what happens is that, that the flies will get in, but it, that oil will cause the flies to stick and just kind of slough them off. But if those flies get in, what happens is that buzzing, that, that tickling, that distraction drives the sheep insane, and they start butting their heads against the tree or a rock, whatever they can find, trying to get that noise out of their ears. I think that's a great picture of the world today. There are a lot of parasites out there trying to get your attention, trying to get into your ears, into your eyes, get into your mind to keep you just hitting a wall and not actually moving forward. And so we need to anoint our head with oil so that it sloughs off all that noise, all that distraction like YouTube, like Facebook, like the news media. Yes, even Fox News. It's trying to get into your head. You know what? And the anointing oil keeps those things at bay so that we can clearly hear the voice of God. So how do you get the anointing oil? Is by spending time in his presence. We need to spend time in his presence. We need to to pray. We need to worship. And we need to spend time in the word of God. And when we do that, what happens is that the presence of God fills us up. And it keeps filling us up. Until we overflow and we have a river of life that starts flowing out of us. And when that river of life starts flowing out, it keeps those distractions at bay. It keeps that noise at bay. It keeps it far enough away that we can hear the voice of God and that our ears are in tune. I heard a story about a pastor in England. He graduated seminary school And he was like, okay, before I go and start my pastorate, I want to spend a summer and just hang out with a shepherd. Because that's like one of the greatest pictures that Jesus used. So I want to know what I'm getting into and I want to understand this illustration. So he found a shepherd in the English countryside that agreed to let him follow him around. And he said that once a week they would go to this mountainside. It was just this huge valley. There's lots of grass and there's four or five shepherds that would always gather together there about every week. And so the first time he went there, he was meeting the other shepherds, introducing himself, telling him why he was there. And then he looked up and he realized there's over a thousand sheep on this hillside and they've all mingled together. He's like, I don't know which ones are our sheep, which ones are their sheep. He was like, uh, how are we going to sort this out? The pastor or the, the shepherd was like, Oh, we'll sort it out later. Don't worry about it. So they just talked on, let the afternoon go by. And pretty soon, the first shepherd was like, Okay, it's time for us to go. We're going to head out. And he goes, Ho! And then just starts walking down the path. All of a sudden, heads pop up. They look around. All of a sudden, there's movement in the, in the herd, in the flock. And then off, off they go and they start wandering. It's like, Okay. Then the next shepherd's like, all right, it was great to meet you. I got to go too. He goes, yep, yep, and starts walking the other direction. All of a sudden, heads pop up. They look around, and there's movement, movement that direction. One by one, the the shepherds all leave, and it's him and the shepherd that are left. And the shepherd's like, all right, well, I guess we should go too. And so he called out and started walking too. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up. And he watched all the sheep leave, and there wasn't one sheep left on that mountainside not one. He was like, okay, well, I don't know where they all went, but I guess they're all there. So he followed the shepherd and they went home and counted them all. And they had every sheep. They had every sheep and not one was left. Why? Because the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And that's exactly how you and I should be. That's how we should react. When we hear the voice of God, we should stop what we're doing and look up and start seeing. And then we simply just seeing where God is moving and what direction he is going. And then we simply just follow him. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's our next point is here in verse four. It's, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The second tie that binds us together is that we follow him. When you hear his voice, it's a natural instinct to just follow. So he says that the, Jesus says that the shepherd goes out before the sheep. And this same pastor was amazed because he was more familiar with cows. And with cows, you get behind them and you drive them. You push them, right? You whip them, you herd them, you corral them, and you drive them in a direction. It doesn't work with sheep. The best way to lead to Get sheep to move is to lead them and go out before them. And this is important because as Jesus walks the road with you, what it does is it gives you the strength and the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other. As you keep your eyes fixed on him, we can all just walk just one foot in front of the other because he is there with us. But sadly, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Every one of us at some point has taken our eyes off of Jesus. And we have gone our own way. In several places, the New Testament translates the word parakoe, a Greek word, as disobey or disobedience. But the literal meaning of parakoe is to hear amiss or to refuse to hear. For instance, Romans 5.19 says, for by as one man's disobedience or refusal to hear or mishearing, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I find it fascinating that the word to mishear is so closely associated with, with the word to disobey. I mean, how many of us have misheard God at some point in our lives? And what does that do? Generally, in my life, that leads to some disobedience. It leads to getting off onto a different path, getting lost, going my own way, right? and I've even used the phrase well god told me so right god told me to go this way god told me to do this i mean people have tried to give me good godly advice and say i don't think that's the way you should go and i'm so like but god told me so you know and i've had people tell me that also but i mean what do you do how do you argue with that god told me so you can't cuz anything that you say is now against god so where it's like well maybe time and time again i've seen that blow up in my face, where it's like, well, maybe I misheard God. I misheard him, which led to some disobedience. See, we need to be attentive to the voice of God. We need to know that we know when we hear him. Because Psalm 23, one through three says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is the good shepherd and he wants to lead you into a good place. That's his desire. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God wants to do. That's where he wants to lead you. We just need to follow. Even when it looks like he's leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. It says that he's right there with us. Comforting us. Navigating it with us. It's like the picture of the footprints in sand. Has anybody seen that picture, the footprints in sand? That came from a dream that a man had. This man had a dream that he was walking with Jesus along the sands of time, along the beach. And he's walking and talking with Jesus. And he looks back and he sees the footprints. He watches the footprints as they go back. And then he suddenly realizes at one point there's only one set of footprints. And he stops and he examines that period of time. And he says, God, that that was one of the most difficult times in my life. Why is there only one set of footprints? He goes, Jesus, you left me. You left me. And Jesus was like, I I didn't leave you. Son, I never left you. But why is there only one set of footprints? He said, son, that's where I had to carry you. It was too difficult for you. And when we follow the shepherd and it gets too difficult, he will carry us through those times. Follow him. Very important that we know his voice and that we follow him. Because the third tie that binds us together is in verse five. It says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Third point is that we flee from strangers. See, it is at this lowest point, when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that voices are going to start coming along in your path and saying, leave the path of righteousness. Leave this path. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Come on. Sin is a lot more fun than this. Come on, let's go. Let's go get off this path. Stop following that guy. He's leading you into a hard area. Follow me. We'll have fun. And you say, well, how how does fleeing from those voices Bind me to Jesus. Well, we remain in the flock if we don't get pulled away. It's like the Navy SEALs. You only become a Navy SEAL if you stay through the training and complete your training. Now, I heard a story about an ex Navy SEAL that said, Oh, those Buds instructors, man, they are experts at keeping you right at that line of hypothermia where you're cold enough, you think you're going to die, but medically, you're not going to. And they're just experts at torturing you and keeping you right there at that cold. And then... They're really good at making sure that sand gets inside your uniform and coats every inch of it. So every movement that you make is like sandpaper on the inside and they keep you in the water, out of the water, in the water, out of the water. You're doing exercises where if you don't time your breath, you're going to drown and, and they just torture you. But that's not the worst. The worst is at that point when you're the tiredest, you're the coldest, you're in pain, they get in your mind. And they get down there and say, this all can be over soon. All you have to do is ring that bell. There's a warm shower waiting back there, a nice bowl of soup, some food. You know, you can go to sleep. There's a nice warm bed. All you got to do is ring that bell, give up, quit. And those that ring the bell, they, they lose out on their dream. They never become a Navy SEAL. They lose that brotherhood. And this one guy, he said, I understood the game. I understood it. So when they would get down on a guy and start saying, you need to quit. It's your time to quit. Come on, you don't have anything left. Give up. He said he would would just yell out and try to yell over the top of those instructors. Not me. You can't get me to quit. I'll never quit. I'm going to keep going. Come on, guys, keep going. Keep going. One more day. We can do this all day. Let's go. And some people would be able to grab onto it and hold on. And they would remain in the fold. We need other sheep. That's like you and I. When we're walking through that valley of the shadow of death, we need other sheep coming along that know the voice of God, that can repeat the voice of the good shepherd back to us and say, don't give up, don't quit. You got one more day. You got one more day. Come on, keep going. One foot in front of the other. And that will keep us in the fold. And then we flee from that voice. like uh, pastors used the illustration of the treasury department and the counterfeit department. The U.S. treasury only trains with the real money. With real money. They know that the paper, the real paper, the real ink, the real design. They study it. They inspect it. They know it. So the moment a fake gets slipped in, they're like, oh my goodness, this thing stands out like a sore thumb. I know it. And when we flee from the voice of a stranger, what we do is we insulate ourselves to truth. And when we insulate ourselves to the truth, a fraud stands out instantly. You're like, something's wrong with that. That, That's a fraud. That's a fake. That's not the true shepherd. What is going on? And I think that part of the reason the church is losing the culture war is because we have stopped fleeing the voice of strangers. There are things that the Bible says that we must flee. 2 Timothy 2:22 says to flee youthful lusts, just like Joseph did. 1 Corinthians 6:18 says flee from sexual immorality. But the world says there's nothing wrong with these things. If it feels good, do it. It should be celebrated. And the world and we get enticed into the world. Because they say nothing is wrong with it. We have church friends that have larger churches in larger cities. And he said that it was years, it's been years and years since he has married someone that was not living together. Even members in his church are living together before they're married because of convenience, because they want to see if it works, and they're specifically going against the Word of God. And they're not fleeing the things that Jesus said to flee. Even in our our entertainment, are we fleeing the entertainment that is not godly? I'm in the series Game of Thrones. There's no way that that series was as big as it was without people in the church watching it right along with the world. And if you don't know what the Game of Thrones is, I commend you. If you've never seen it, I commend you because that show broke records on the amount of nudity that they put into it. Like I think they had to like restructure a lot of ratings because of it. It is insane. And the world and the church was right there along with the world, watching the series, celebrating it. First Timothy six says to flee from those who teach false doctrine. Flee from those that love to argue and stir up strife. Flee from those who have a depraved mind. Flee from those who twist the truth. It says to flee from those that think godliness is a way to get rich and to flee from those that love money. When was the last time you fled a conversation that was ungodly? Tell you what, that makes the world uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. When they're talking about something and you're like, yeah, I'm out of here. And they're like, oh, what happened there? They take note. Ungodly conversation. That's what the Bible calls us to do. If there's an ungodly conversation, we are to flee those voices. See, because we haven't fled them, the world now has Christians deconstructing their faith. What is deconstructing their faith? Well, you take your faith, and you tear it all down to the basics. And then you start reinserting what you want into it. Like the God that loves us. I like that God. I like that Jesus. The God of judgment? No, that's not a good one. I think I'll just leave that one out. I like the God of love, you know. How about the God that wants us to prosper? Yeah, I like that one. What about the God of suffering? Well, no, that, that doesn't really have a place And when we build this new image of our faith and our Christian walk, it looks like man and not the image of God. When we start listening to those voices, they get into our minds and our heads. What happens is we start following the voice of strangers instead of fleeing from them. If you read Ezekiel 34, it's Ezekiel prophesying against the shepherds and the leaders of his day. And Ezekiel 34, 5 says that the sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd. And strangers scatter the sheep. That's the whole goal of the enemy, is to scatter you so they can pick you off easier one at a time than when you're together. And when you can encourage each other and build each other up and strengthen one another, he wants to scatter you. See, Jesus gathers sheep. And if we flee from the voice of strangers, we remain in the flock and we remain part of his sheep. But if we're lured away, there's a snare of sin hidden to the path of destruction that is waiting for you. How do you identify a true shepherd? If you read Ezekiel 34, 11 through 31, I can sum it up here is that a true shepherd strengthens the weak. They heal the sick they bind the brokenhearted. They search for those that are lost, and they gather the sheep. John 10.1 10, says, Any person that does not enter by the door is a thief and a robber. And we need to watch out for anyone that has not entered the fold by accepting Christ, because they are a thief and a robber. And the Bible says a thief comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Anyone that is trying to lure you off of the path of righteousness hates you because they're seeking to kill you. Because it says the wages of sin is death. And that's what the world is doing, it's trying to entice you off of that. And so, this morning, in closing, I want to ask you do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know his voice? If you're here today, chances are Samuel heard, but Samuel in the Bible, Samuel heard his voice when he was laying in bed. God called to him and said, Samuel, and he got up. He thought it was Eli. He ran to his stepdad and said, "Uh, here I am. And Eli was like, good. Why are you out of bed? Well, you called me. I did not call you. Stop wasting time and get back in bed. Come on, parents. Come on. Anybody else been there? So Samuel's like, what? Okay, fine. He goes and lays down and hears the voice again. Samuel. He gets up. and, goes, Okay. Goes to Eli and says, you called me this time, right? He was like, I did not call you. Boy, get your butt back in bed right now. Okay, stop wasting time and go to bed. Oh, he goes to bed. Here's a third time, Samuel. And he gets up and cautiously walks through the door. You called me this time, right? Eli finally got the picture and was like, you know, you're hearing something, but it's not me. So next time you hear that voice say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and he heard the voice again and said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God started to speak to him, told him about his destiny, his direction, told him about what he would become and how great he would be. And God gave him a hope and a future. You know, I had to be introduced to the voice of God. Samuel had to be introduced to the voice of God. Chances are, someone in your life had to introduce you to the voice of God. And if you've never been introduced to the voice of God, we want to take that opportunity today and introduce you to the voice of God. Come down here and get prayer. If you're like, I don't know if I'm hearing God, we want to introduce you. If you've never entered through the door of salvation by accepting Him as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. Become part of the fold instead of just hanging around on the outside of the edge. Because it's the sheep on the outside that get picked off by the wolves first. Come into the fold through Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time hearing his voice and you say, hey, I just, need to, I just need to retune my ears. We want to pray for you. If you're like, maybe I, I misheard him and, and I'm, I was astray for a little bit, we want to pray for you. Maybe you're like, I'm having a hard time resisting the voice of strangers, and they're pulling me from the path of righteousness. We want to pray for you. Please do not leave this building without getting prayer if you have any prayer need at all. Please come down. These altars are open, and we want to introduce you. You hear his voice, God, so that you can hear it for yourself. That's our goal here, so that you hear his voice and that you can follow him. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we could hear your word. Lord, I ask you that you would give us the strength, Lord, to flee from strangers. And Lord, you'd give us the strength to follow you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, that we know your voice and we will not turn aside. But Lord, you are there with us, comforting us. That you give us the strength, step by step, to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well... Think of pastor this week, especially tonight as he is flying over to Pakistan and then driving. So keep him in in your prayers. We appreciate you guys for coming out. All right, thank you. You guys are dismissed.